Morning, friends. And welcome to chapel. Uh, whether this is your first time here or your first time in a long time, whether you're joining us here physically or digitally or spiritually, welcome. Uh, it is my hope that these chapel services will not only provide you a spiritual center during your education and formation here, uh, but also will provide you a laboratory. Uh, the first time that you preach in front of a room full of people, the first time you write prayers and collects and litanies, the first time you lead people in a song that you don't really know so well, doesn't have to be your first time at your job after you graduate. Uh, this can be the place where you can try all your fun ideas you have in your head without a room of people saying, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> Um, there will be a survey going out um, after this service to gauge your interest in helping plan and helping lead these services throughout the year. And I hope you prayerfully and joyfully say yes. I have not introduced myself, have I? My name is uh, Brett Eisenhagen. I will be your chapel minister for this year. And um, yeah, I am... I am delighted to worship here with y'all, and for our first hymn, I am doubly delighted uh, to invite, uh, to, to lead us in it, uh, the gentleman responsible for putting the tune with the words and making sure it's in the hymnal. And so I uh, want to invite uh, Dr. Ben Berge from the music department up. And Thank you, Brett. Good to be with you all this morning. Um, just a brief note of context for this piece as we, I, I had the honor of serving on the committee putting together Voices Together for Mennonite Church USA and Mennonite Church Canada. And as we were looking to include um, some things uh, from the wonderful Hildegard of Bingen, uh, we found this text, uh, but it was just a, a lone text uh, as texts often are. And in wanting to find a tune that could work with it, thought, well, I would like to first check with Hildegard. And so checked some tunes, some, uh, she would call them chants, uh, particularly around the Holy Spirit, some of her um, Holy Spirit chants, and found one that could fit um, syllabically somewhat. So the, uh, but because so many folks often page over when they see a chant, I thought, well, let's metricize it and put it to make it look uh, like someone will choose it. And... <laughs> Speaking somewhat frankly here, sorry. Uh, and and um, the shorter notes follow shorter chant notes. The longer notes follow longer chant notes. So it actually does sound fairly similar, um, but it is a bit of a mashup, of a, a fresh mashup of an old Hildegard text and an old Hildegard tune. So I will sing the first verse once to get it into your head because it's a, a new, likely, and then invite you, we'll sing verse one again together and you can join in as... Uh, as you catch on. Could I have a C? I am that great and fiery force Sparkling in everything that lives In shining of the river's course in green in grass that glory gives. Try that with me. 
that lives in shining of the river's course, in green in grass that glory Thank you, Ben. Before we pray, let's take a brief moment for a deep breath in together. A deep breath out. And join me in prayer. The words are either on, in number 955 or on the screens. Come among us, Holy Spirit, and create a community of learning. Help us grow in wisdom and understanding, in skill and strength, in knowledge that honors you. Teach us to know you, ourselves, and our neighbors more fully, to see your presence in the world more clearly, to love more deeply, with heart and soul, mind and strength. Form us as doers of justice and lovers of mercy as we walk humbly with you and one another on this path of learning. Amen. That oh, comes for us on the United Methodist Hymnal, page 830, but it's probably easier for you if you watch the screens. We're going to do it a little bit differently than how I understand it's done in the past. Um, there is a um, sung response, uh, an antiphon meant to, um, to focus us in the heart of the psalm and provide us a, uh, a landing place. Um, so I will lead the bold, the, I will lead the plain print. Um, Y'all will read the bold print, and whenever we get to what one of those, uh, if you're in the hymnal, one of the big red R's will have the sung response, or it'll come up on the screen. Um, I'll ask Laura if she wouldn't mind playing that through once, and, and then we'll sing it together, and then we'll go take the psalm from there.
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, who is good, whose steadfast love endures forever. Some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no way to a city in which to dwell. Hungry and thirsty, their soul within them. Then, in their trouble, they cried to the Lord, who delivered them from their distress. And led them by a straight way, till they reached a city in which to dwell. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground. The Lord turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. They multiply They were diminished and brought low through oppression, trouble, and sorrow. The Lord pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. The upright see it and are glad, and the wickedness stops its mouth. Second reading comes from Exodus chapter 3. Listen for the word of God. Now Moses, tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, drove the flock into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. An angel of God appeared to him in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed, and there was a bush all aflame, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside to look at this marvelous sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? When the Holy One saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He answered, Here I am. And God said, Do not come closer. 
Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And God continued, I have marked well the plight of my people in Egypt and have heeded their outcry because of their taskmasters. Yes, I am mindful of their sufferings. I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the region of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Moreover, I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you shall free my people, the Israelites, from Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites from Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. That shall be your sign that it was I who sent you. And when you have freed the people from Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Moses said to God, When I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, Eya, Asher, Eya. Thus shall you say to the Israelites, Eya sent me to you. And God said further to Moses, thus shall you speak to the Israelites, the Holy One, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Thus shall be my name forever, this my appellation for all eternity. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our preacher today, the person who just read scripture, Reverend Dr. Daniel Ott, professor of theology and religion, who is our dean of the Eastern Mennonite Seminary, as dean of the School of Theology, Humanities, and Performing Arts at EMU. Dan, as he likes to be called, came to EMU in 2022 from Monmouth College in Illinois where he was Associate Dean for Academic Initiatives, Professor of Religious Studies, Chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, and coordinated the Peace, Ethics, and Social Justice Program. Dan's scholarship is in religious thought in the United States, philosophies of peace and nonviolence, and Christian liberal theologies, particularly process and pragmatic theologies. Dan co-authored with Hannah Schell, Christian Thought in America, A Brief History, published by Fortress Press in 2015, and since arriving at EMU has been inspired to work on a book manuscript on a theology of death. thought you might find that funny. (laughs) 
Dan earned his PhD from Claremont Graduate University in Philosophy of Religion and Theology, Master of Divinity from Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and a Bachelor of Music from West Virginia University. He is an ordained teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA and an operatic tenor. Dan it keeps our seminary grounded in theology and practices of justice and nonviolence and is helping us to expand our learning community in new ways. I appreciate his gifts in organizational leadership and his sense of humor. Dan, we look forward to hearing from you this morning. I'm not sure, but I don't think there's much death in this one, so here. <laughs> so call stories are kind of a thing at seminary, and I want to confess up front that um, I got myself in a little bit of trouble way back when, when I was in seminary, around this whole idea of call. At my seminary, there were all these people who had great call stories, I don't remember any burning bushes, but there were serendipitous, if not miraculous, occurrences. I seem to remember that even a couple of people had heard audible voices. And I definitely remember thinking to myself after hearing some of these call stories, really? Then I started hearing other people, other fellow students, wondering about these call stories. And they began to doubt their gifts, even doubt their worth. They were wondering how God actually works in all of this. So I probably chose the wrong venue to air my grievances. But we had these things that we called exploratory weekends. They were great events, actually. We would invite prospective students to campus. We'd put them up in campus housing. They'd go to chapel worship. They would uh, engage in some of the classes and engage uh, students in some discussion. And so um, I was asked with a, another student to lead a little circle time around uh, our understanding of our call to ministry. So the other stu students started. She gave a nice little overview and related a little bit of her call story. And then um, a couple of the most eager prospective students shared their stories. There was a little lull. It seemed like my turn. And I said something like, you know, I'm not actually sure that I've received a call. I mean, I think I have gifts for ministry and I have an interest in ministry and I want to learn more about theology and the Bible, but I'm not sure if I even buy this whole concept of having a calling. I'm not sure that I believe that God calls people in the way that we're talking about it. So maybe I should have been a little more nuanced. <laughs> and oddly, I was never asked to participate in Exploratory Weekend again. <laughs> But maybe it's, that, uh, maybe it's the case that we all need a little more nuanced approach to this whole idea of call. And I think maybe some closer attention to the story that we read this morning could help. 
Of course, the, the burning bush sticks out to us. It jumps out at, to, at us. It jumped out at, at Moses. It seems to be what Moses needed to get his attention. But notice in this story who calls first. It's not God who calls first, but God's people who call. God's people enslaved and oppressed in Egypt. In fact, God starts his call to Moses by first outlining the people's call to God. I've heard their cries, God says. I'm mindful of their suffering. I have seen their oppression. I have come to rescue them. God's call to Moses starts with the cries of the poor. And God is asking for a partner in their liberation. That's a little different story than how we tend to remember this as a a great prophet called through a burning bush. And of course, Moses, seeing the bush and hearing God's deep compassion for oppressed people, jumps right up and says, it's me, God send me, right? Nope. In fact, five phrases describe God hearing the cries of the oppressed, and Moses comes up with five objections to God's call to partner with God in their liberation. I'll run through them real quickly for you. In 3.11, Moses says, who am I to carry out this mission? In 3.13, Moses says, and who exactly are you, God? In chapter 4, verse 1, Moses says, ah, they'll never believe me. Starting in 4.10, Moses gives a rather eloquent little speech about how he is not a man of words. And in 4.13, Moses gives a last-ditch attempt and says, ah, couldn't you just send somebody else? So only two of those are in the sermon, so that's a relief for you. Won't be a five-point sermon to follow. So I'm going to stick with the two. Who am I that I should go? This is Moses' first objection. We might ask, who are we that we should go? Now, in Moses' defense, God doesn't give a very good answer to Moses' question. In fact, he doesn't answer the question at all. God doesn't tell Moses that he's been carefully chosen and is the exact right person for the job. He doesn't give him a big hug and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. He doesn't tell him the lie that we all tell our children, you know the one, you can do whatever you put your mind to. God doesn't say anything about Moses at all. All he says is, I will be with you. God never gives Moses the guarantee that he is capable of completing this mission. He really leaves him wondering if he is enough at all. I said I wouldn't preach about death, but I didn't say there would be any downers. And here's the first stunner. You may have never heard this in a sermon before, but you are not enough. You can't do it. You and me together, not enough. 
All of us in this room, all of us at EMU, not enough. You and I can't end poverty. We can't stop racism and injustice. We can't stop our own wrangling and jealousy, let alone the nasty bickering happening out here in the world. Wars and rumors of wars, not enough. Global warming, God help us. I mean it. God help us. We're simply not enough. So you might not be able to tell, but I've been reading the common read uh, for EMU, the Book of Hope. <laughs> the book contains uh, Jane Goodall's amazing story. Before she even had a degree, the famous scientist Louis Leakey sent her out into the forest to learn about chimpanzees. She was excited, but quickly became desperate. How would she get close enough to learn about them? How would she earn their trust? She wrote to Leakey, often expressing her desperation, telling him that she was not enough. He wrote back in blind faith, I know you can do it. Amazingly, as we know, she did do it. But then, even as her research on chimp tool making and chimp social patterns began to change how we understand apes and even how we understand human evolution, again, just as she got her footing, she became desperate again. Through collaboration with other scientists, she quickly realized that the very survival of the chimpanzees was under great threat. She realized that this was because of deforestation and that the deforestation was because of crippling human poverty. Of course, not long later, she learned that all of this was caught up in the great snowball effect that is global climate change. She was not enough. She is not enough. We are not enough. And all God tells us is, I will be with you. And let me tell you that that's even worse than it sounds. Moses is right to follow up with his second objection. And who are you, God? And God gives a confounding answer, a literally untranslatable answer. God says, Eya Asher Eya the Jewish Publication Society translation that I read this morning, leaves this untranslated for good reason. What does it mean? We don't know. Maybe something like, I am who I am, I will be who I will be. It looks like it has some relationship to the divine name that is unutterable, but that only compounds the mystery, of course. Who is this great I am? Who is this God who is said to be with us but has no name and will not be defined or delimited. Catherine Keller, in a text my students and I are reading, they, I hope they're reading, I see some of them here. It's due tomorrow, so. Um, she cites some of the great uh, giants of the Christian tradition that underscore this ineffable nature of God. Augustine of Hippo said, if you have understood, then what you have understood is not God. Meister Eckhart said, do not try to understand God, for God is 
beyond all understanding. Great. So the message today is that we are not enough, that our only consolation is that God goes with us, but the God who sends us and goes with us is an unutterable, unknowable mystery. And that's the end of our passage for today. Go in peace and serve God. You want me to keep going? Yeah, I can't leave it there. So I'll, I'll, I'll rewrite the ending for you, if you'll allow me to. I'll tell you what I wish God had said to Moses, what I suspect God might be saying to at least some of us. Here's what I wish God had said to Moses in his response to the second objection. Who am I? Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. I'm the one who heard the cry of the poor and heeded their cry. I'm the one who knows the suffering of those who are in anguish. I'm the one who takes notice when my people are oppressed. I'm the one who comes to rescue and liberate my people. I'm the one who lit up this damn bush to try to get you to hear, to try to get you to see, to try to get you to participate with me in setting free. I was so moved by um, Greg Sisson's words at the faculty staff gathering. Greg teaches in our Master of Arts in Counseling program, and he spoke at the faculty staff gathering a couple weeks ago. He um, talked about his work with Strength in Peers as the clinical director of, for their Back on Track program. The program addresses the crises of substance abuse and homelessness in Harrisonburg, helping people to find homes, health, and sobriety. I think what was most moving to me is that Greg's teenage son, as Greg tells it, noticed the work that his dad was doing. He noticed the work, and he started noticing the people in our community who need help. He would text his dad, I saw a guy down by the Exxon. You should go talk to him. Then just a little bit later, did you go talk to him? He'd insist until Greg went to talk to him. And then a few weeks or months later, I can't remember, he texted his dad, I saw a guy down by the Target. Can you go talk to him? Did you go talk to him? Greg responded, not yet. And then the next text was, Dad, what's that place called and when are they open? What place, Greg responded. Strength and Peers? Greg's son had talked to the guy at the Target himself. He got to know him. He helped him find his way to strengthen peers. Tears came to my eyes as Greg repeated what he hoped would be our takeaways from that story. That's us out there. That's us out there. Kinship. Together. I think maybe God is trying to get us to learn like Greg's son learned. To hear the cries of the poor. To partner with God in liberating the oppressed. To see, to hear, to set free, 
for us to get it. That's us out there. That's us out there. I'm supposed to give like a state of the seminary thing in this talk. I'd rather just preach. Seminaries and churches are in a tough time. Our numbers are dropping. Music comes in from out of the blue. Makes it very difficult on seminaries and churches. Our, our numbers are scary. The shape of theological education is changing. Our seminary is not enough. We literally don't have enough people. And we're not enough for the challenges. But perhaps all we can do is recognize that we are not enough and try to be faithful anyway. Try to go when we're called. Try somehow to hang on to the promise that God will go with us. This mysterious, ineffable God about whom perhaps all we know is that this God hears the cries of the poor. The poor still cry out. The oppressed still need to be set free. The sick and addicted still need healing. People in conflict need help. The question is, will we hear their cries? Will we see their sorrow? Will we be mindful of their suffering? And most importantly, will we go? Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. To God be the glory in Jesus Christ and in his church from generation to generation. Alleluia. Amen. Friends, we are going to switch up our order slightly. Uh, the sermon may be over, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is still speaking. And so I invite you into a moment of silent reflection now uh, to listen for what God may be saying to us. hymn of reflection for the healing of the nations will be found on the walls around you or on page 705 of Voices Together. And I invite you to stand in body or spirit as you feel led and let us sing to the God who hears us.
for a moment, friends. Because God is one who hears us and who sees and knows what we are going through, our prayers have power. Um, we'll continue with a litany for our new school year, and I invite you, should you be so comfortable, uh, to pray this either um, uh, holding hands of those sitting beside you, or if you find yourself um, in a row by yourself, extend, extend your hands in a posture of blessing. God of us all, only you know who we are to become. You have called us, and we have placed our lives in your hands. We pray to you for this new year and for all that it will hold. For the faculty and administration of our school, we pray to the Lord. Bless them, Lord, according to your great love. For the staff and all who make our life and learning possible, we pray to the Lord. Bless them, Lord, according to your great love. For the students of this seminary, as they prepare themselves for ministry, we pray to the Lord. Bless them, Lord, according to your great love. For the other students of this university, as they pursue the call you placed on their lives, we pray to the Lord. Bless them, Lord, according to your great love. For all whose lives will touch our own, and for all whose paths we will cross, let us pray to the Lord. Bless them, Lord, according to your great love. For the work of mercy, justice, and love which is ever before us, let us pray to the Lord. Grant us your love through which we serve and by which we are saved. For we have been made, and for everything we shall become, we give thanks to the Lord. Amen. Final hymn before we go our separate ways can be found on page 809 in Voices Together or on the walls around you. Let's sing together.
Now may the grace of Christ attend you, the love of God surround you, the Holy Spirit keep you, that you may live in faith, abound in hope, and grow in love both now and evermore. Amen.